0: Welcome to episode 7 of Bitcoin and Markets, a show where I discuss Bitcoin geopolitics and liberty. Today I have a great show lined up, we talk about Cryptolocker, that's ransomware, companies starting to stockpile Bitcoin for this reason. Then I go in-depth on a great medium post by Beautyon where he talks about the power and the strength of Bitcoin and why central banks' efforts to use blockchain technology are just silly then i go into spain and brexit the death of the european project i cover so much ground there's a lot to talk about my name is anseliner this is bitcoin and markets stay with me let's go All right, let's jump right in here, guys, with our first headline, and it is by way of the MIT Technology Review. They looked at some of the ransomware out there, and I like to call it CryptoLocker because I want to remind people that this ransomware is a Bitcoin phenomenon. So I like to use the term CryptoLocker, whether that's good or bad or doesn't really say what's happening i don't know but it i to me it reminds people that this is a strictly bitcoin phenomenon and it brings bitcoin into the discussion so in this paper there's they have done a bunch of research on ransomware and, and cryptolocker and they say that um these it professionals from around the world in major major companies they're stockpiling bitcoin um Out of 250 IT and security workers in the UK, companies with more than 250 employees, a third said that they were stockpiling Bitcoin, which is pretty incredible. Um, I think this is a hugely new phenomenon. And I want to break this down here a little bit. So, um, as these companies, I mean, it's smart, right? Uh, As these companies are um, facing this new crypto locker stuff. Uh, to have this investment in Bitcoin is smart. It's on their balance sheet. If the price goes up and more of these companies do this, you know that they they raise the value of their balance sheet as well as what they perceive as their protection or their ability to pay these uh, ransomware or uh, you know crypto locker ransoms. But it's it's a it's a cycle. So the more that people stockpile, the higher. That the ransoms can be, right? So, um, if every company stores 100 bitcoins, then they will be able to charge 100 bitcoins to every company. Where now they might charge 10 bitcoins or 25 bitcoins or something. In the future, if, if they, if it's like a policy of that company that's known that they stockpile 100 bitcoins, the, the ransoms will go up, uh, which is a vicious cycle. And I try to, who knows if this is good, if this is bad, what uh, role do these crypto locker things, what do they play within the economy as a whole? And uh, there is, it's, I believe it's a gray area. I was talking with my wife and I was trying to explain to her that this is a gray area or it, sh- it could be taken as a gray area. Um, and she, she wasn't patient enough to reason it out with me, but here you go, I'm gonna try with you guys. Okay, so these crypto locker things, they are bad in the sense that you are hurting people's property, right? You're, you're basically kidnapping their property and blackmailing them, which is ethically very bad. But here's, here's where I can see this, this type of thing can be used for activism for good. Um, let's take the case of ferguson and this happened i think it was two years ago now in the united states the st louis area in the united states where there was a a cop who killed a young man shot him in the back and there was a bunch of protests anonymous got involved and hacked into the police stations computers and and caused some havoc now just think if they crypto lockered them and they put a ransom or even crypto lockered the state the state's computer system, or something, and put a ransom of, say, five million or ten million dollars worth of Bitcoin on to this crypto locker, and to pay that, then then what they would do maybe would be donate it to the family because the if if the there was a mis, miscarriage of justice, which is what happened, so uh, yeah, you can crypto locker these things and you can provide sort of a vigilante justice system when the justice system breaks down uh, the people have a recourse to go back and do something think about all the other things that anonymous can do with a crypto locker type technology that scares a lot of people because they their activities are seen as unethical and fraudulent and they are under threat by those types of things uh, which would pl- apply pressure to be beha- have better behavior Another thing is that um, so these these uh big companies are stockpiling this bitcoin. what they're uh basically doing is they uh well okay, so another thing is when you compare these crypto locker hackers to traditional hackers to to get paid the traditional hackers would have to sell the information so they'd hack into the system they would uh, gather all that information steal it and then sell it on on the black market or the dark web or whatever the case is um, that would be all that personal information leaked out there well let's compare that to the crypto locker the crypto locker doesn't necessarily steal any information they're actually incentivized not to distribute that information not to do it because um, the people are not only paying to unlock their computers but they're paying to safeguard this this information if the crypto locker hackers if they were to go out and leak this information after this uh ransom was paid then they would lose their credibility in the future to get paid ransom their their ransom would have to go down in other words so they are under this incentive to not leak the information so the 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 ppi Or the PII is uh, the personally identifiable, personally identifiable information or whatever. That is more secure under a crypto locker than it is under traditional hackers because the traditional hackers, that is their business model to steal information and sell it. Where crypto locker, there's less incentive to do it. There's actually incentive not to do it. So this is good in a sense. These companies would want to promote this over a traditional hack because especially if you're a hospital like has been in the news with these crypto lockers you have the um you don't want that information leaked you will want the most (laughs) kind of ethical hackers that you can have or the trust most trustworthy hackers that you can have that are breaking into your computer system so um the incentives are aligned and these these companies so that i would say they're stockpiling bitcoin most likely most companies will stockpile bitcoin in the future or they will outsource that um, to other third-party companies that will hold bitcoin as type of an insurance policy for them um, and of course as they do this the ransoms will go up like i stated earlier and that will bring more people in and there will be a competition between these hackers which will eventually drive the price of these ransoms down right and so for instance if i am a company and i have stockpiled stockpiled fifty thousand dollars worth of bitcoin for these hacks if i get hacked once a year that's my allotment that's my budget well if i get hacked once a year i'm going to pay fifty thousand dollars to that person but if i get hacked once a month now i'm only going to be able to afford about five thousand dollars per hack Right? Because the, the, my bottom line won't allow me to pay anymore. So as there's more hackers, um, as this proliferates, the price of the ransoms will initially go up, but now that, then they'll, there'll be more market forces and they'll go down. Another aspect of this is if the, um, information is more secure in the first place from these crypto lockers, then, um, they will be, actually identifying these security risks for these these companies. So instead of a company um, going out and hiring IT professionals, they'll just wait till they get crypto-lockered. They'll pay it off fast, which maybe it'll be $5,000. Then they've identified their security risk or their security breach where they're weak, and they'll be able to fix it much more easily and more cheaply. So they'll be kind of outsourcing this, um, this finding the bugs in their system to these crypto locker folks, right? And, uh, th- these crypto locker folks will almost turn into a weird type of contractor in a way. I mean, all of this would be informal and free market, but you can see how the, the line between good and bad is so blurred here. We could go into a future where these crypto lockers, they play a very valuable, uh, role in society. Um, finding the security weaknesses and being paid off. Maybe in the future, it will be a thing where it only costs you 50 bucks. Your thing gets locked. You pay 50 bucks. You quickly patch your, patch your thing, uh, your system and you're good to go. And then maybe two or three months down the road, you get locked. You pay 50 bucks. You patch it. You're good to go. And that protects you against these traditional hackers that are trying to steal that information. They're trying to steal your identity. They're trying to steal those other things. So I can see how this is a good thing. And when I was explaining this to my wife, she, I mean, like I said, she wasn't patient enough to hear me out. So tell me what you guys think about that reasoning. I think it's it's uh, not cut and dry. If you disagree, tell me about it. I'm on Twitter. You can find me, Ansel Lindner, A-N-S-E-L-L-I-N-D-N-E-R. Find me. Tell me what you think. Um, I think it's it's probably going to be a good in society. Right now, it's seen as an evil, but we need to kind of change our understanding. We can't come in and uh, use guns to find these crypto locker people. That's not going to happen. We have to let the market work. And that's one of the beautiful things about Bitcoin. One of the beautiful things about this whole this whole ecosystem is that we are we have to let the market work which i think is fascinating all right let's move on to our next topic and that is um basically this beauty on article i follow him on twitter um this is a medium post that he did and it is in response to adam ludwig of chain he gave a you guys probably saw this this um article out there where he gave a briefing at the federal reserve to a hundred central bankers from around the world including including janet yellen uh he gave that with uh perry ann boring she was there Uh, and it was funny because i saw the image uh they took a big image uh picture of them on the front steps of the fed with yellen right down in the middle and then you have um Adam and Perry Ann next to him next to her uh, with all the hundred central bankers and I was looking at this and I, this was before I i didn't know what she looked like I mean I know I've heard of her obviously but I didn't know I wouldn't be able to pick her out of a picture and say that's Perry Ann boring uh, but I was looking at it, I was like she's not a banker she's way too beautiful to be a banker but uh, yeah so you could pick her out in a crowd Anyway, so uh, this is from Beauty On, and it's a Medium article, and it's titled, Why Central Banks Will Fail at Digital Currency. And before I get into this, I also want to talk really quick about a Reddit post. This is on our Bitcoin. It's titled, Blockchain Technology is Dead, Study Shows. And it was was, uh, by H-E-N-Q, capital N, capital L, that's the username. Um, I, I I commented on this, but I just wanted to read a few quick lines out of this um, because it's, it's relevant to the Beauty On post. So here we go. Um, quote, Satoshi Nakamoto did not, quote, invent the solutions of the distributed consensus problem. No, he discovered it. Distributed consensus is a math problem, a.k.a. it's a Byzantine general's problem. And Satoshi found a solution and uh, very likely the only solution. Pythagoras discovered that a squared plus b squared equals c squared properties of a, recta- uh, a right triangle. And the properties are perpetual, independent of the discovery of those by Pythagoras. So um, they existed. This solution to a uh, distributed consensus, uh, it was discovered by Satoshi. Um, it is a way to have this distributed consensus now it, it's possibly the only one right when when Pythagoras discovered a squared plus b squared equals c squared it's the only way to solve that it's not like you can say well what if we add proof of stake to this a squared plus b squared equals c squared then it's it's more efficient no this is the only way to solve this problem and uh, this problem post on our Bitcoin kind of goes through that. I think it's pretty cool. And let me read a little bit more to you guys. Uh, Now the fintech boys and girls take the most boring, least essential part of the whole Bitcoin architecture, the blockchain, and praise it like it's the new coming of the profit. And that's so cool. I mean, blockchain is not the end all be all that they're saying. And that this. There's a quote on Twitter that I found from Job. He's a block trail guy, uh, out of, uh, I think the Netherlands or some, uh, somewhere around there. Uh, he, he said that <laughs> we will soon dis- d- discover that Bitcoin is the technology behind blockchain, which I think is very, very good. Uh, sums up the whole argument, but, uh, yeah. So you guys should check that. Links to all this stuff is uh, in the show notes or the description below. Let's get into Beautyon's post here on Medium. It's it's really long and detailed. And it's powerful. There are some really powerful things. And this is one of the things. I think Bitcoin is missing this going forward right now. There's a lot of... In the beginning, we had crypto-anarchists, right? We had these people that were like down with the state. And Satoshi was one of them. Down with the banks. Down with the state. This is how we need to have freedom and anarchy. Well, that has slowly gone away. First, you had these libertarians that came in, which is kind of the wave I came in on. And that was uh, minarchists, but a lot of anarchists too. And then... Over the last couple years, we've had this, um, just general public coming in and they have these kind of statist ideas that they need to pander to the state, just like these chain people, this Adam Ludwig and stuff. When, when he goes to the Federal Reserve and talks to them about, look at this is how you can move into the future, right? Well, Bitcoin is about getting rid. Of the Federal Reserve so how can you take the technology that's supposed to make them obsolete and they can use it for their advantage it's it's not logically possible so uh, we see this kind of thing and as we go forward here and I've noticed this a little bit already with Beauty on and there's a bunch of other people um, that I follow on reddit and stuff like that and they're really pushing this forward of against the state against the banks i mean putting it out there in the open they're trying to bury this narrative under block a lot of people are trying to bury it under the term blockchain that this is a subversive technology it's not just disruptive it's subversive and um I, i think we're going to see this big push forward of people like myself or people like beauty on here that that are pushing this disruptive, subversive thing, uh, this idea. And this, this idea is catching on. Now, I just read, uh, I don't want to spend really very much time on this topic, but, okay, so, uh, the Bilderberg meeting is going on right now. A lot of you people might know about that, a secret, uh, formerly secret meeting that was the realm of conspiracy theorists in the past. Now it's conspiracy fact. Where these big powerful people get together and they discuss kind of secret things. They have now, kind of like Davos used to be. And now they've moved it into the public. And they have a website, official website, where they publish their their agenda. right? And one of the items on their agenda is tar- talking about the um, precariat. And a lot of people I don't know what precariat is. I didn't. I had to look it up too. And it's kind of like people in precarious situation, the middle class these middle class that are turning into lower class and poor they're in a precarious situation so they're the precariat um so that was on on the discussion i think they're using these minutes to kind of push this their type of vocabulary into the popular uh the popular media um and so I would like, to, I would like to push Bitcoin as being the answer for the precariat. So as they start using this term precariat, we hashtag it and put it, take it over. Bitcoin needs to take over that, that term precariat and, and, you know, hashtag Bitcoin precariat or, um, Bitcoin for the precariat or something like that to, to really push this as Bitcoin is for these people. These people are the underserved. They are the un, underprivileged or unprivileged in our society. And so they, they are going to be, uh, really probably sucking up this Bitcoin idea. But yeah, so going forward, I think as these kind of precarious people around the world start struggling and there's more revolutions and there's more, um, riots and think, you know, people in the streets there there's violence on the streets all over the world and there's governments putting down things um there's also governments funding other movements in other countries like we've seen in ukraine and and syria and now nigeria we see these governments are uh, foreign governments are funding domestic factions and as we see that moving forward we're going to see this precariat build up there's going to be this big groundswell of uh people and bitcoin is going to be there bitcoin needs to be there bitcoin we need to push that forward that bitcoin you're riding in the streets you should be using bitcoin you want to stick it to them stick it to them with using bitcoin and especially now that we're going to have all the scaling stuff coming out with the lightning network we are ready to take this bitcoin to the people on the street They don't need Molotov cocktails. They need a Bitcoin wallet in their hand. And we need to push that uh, narrative forward. All right, so enough of the ranting and raving. Let's get into a little bit of this Beauty On article. I'm going to read some of it. Like I said, it's really long. There's some great videos in there. I mean, this is a very long and detailed essay. It is some great, great work by Beautyon. Of course, a link to it in the show notes. I'm scrolling down here and I'm going to find some good quotes. Okay, here we go. This is eh, 40%, 50% through. Uh, This is from the middle. And here we go. Bitcoin is not a simple uh, transition to a new medium. It is a paradigm shift. Every assumption about what money is, how it is stored, who should control its production, how it is transmitted and managed is turned on its head in Bitcoin. This is not a simple matter of moving from Oracle to MySQL. This is the equivalent of computing without computers. It's something that is very hard to accept for people inured, to the idea uh, that the state should be the sole provider of money. Bitcoin is money without the state. It is banking without banks. It's wire transfer without wire transfer services. It destroys everything that the hundred people at this meeting rely upon and take for granted. It ends their world forever forever. Bitcoin is not a bearer instrument. And now so he gets into here where a lot of people talk about Bitcoin being a bearer instrument, a uh, bearer asset. Uh, I know Tone Vays and I think the Bitcoin and Sensor guys, they kind of talk talk about this and this uh, talk about Bitcoin in this respect. But uh I agree with Beauty on here when he says that Bitcoin is not a bearer instrument and let me go into some of his reasons and then I'll talk about it a little bit. So Bitcoin is not a bearer instrument. It is not like a silver certificate dollar from the time before the dollar became entirely legitimate. A bearer instrument is, as this $5 note is, a certificate redeemable by someone for something of value. And he has a picture of an old $5 note. In the past, Everyone knew that the paper money was not valuable in itself. It was only a placeholder for real money held by the bank, which was either gold or silver. Everyone knew that that if they wanted to, they could redeem the paper for actual money, and so they were willing to conditionally and temporarily accept the paper tokens in lieu of real money for their daily transactions. That is the true nature of a bearer instrument. It is a document or note backed by a legally binding promise and guarantee from an institution, redeemable on demand to whomever has the note in their hand, the bearer. Bearing this in mind, you can see immediately why Bitcoin is not a bearer instrument, quite apart from the technical reality of Bitcoin, that it uh that it never moves from one place to another and is never borne by anyone. It is not backed by any institution. It is not redeemable for anything and has no promise, guarantee, or contract of any kind from anyone anywhere on earth attached to it. And this is the incredible breakthrough of Bitcoin. So, Bitcoin. what he's saying here is that Bitcoin is just an instrument. It is not a... uh, well, a bear, a technical term, the technical definition for a bearer instrument does not apply to Bitcoin, where Bitcoin is an instrument, right, and it is controlled by a bearer, but it is not a bearer instrument, and uh, so that's because when you say bearer instrument, it means something different than those two words separately. Uh, we would have to redefine what a bearer instrument is to make it fit Bitcoin. Okay, let's go on a little bit further here. Oh, so then he tells about the first Bitcoin transaction that was ever sent from the Eccles building, which is the Federal Reserve building. Uh, And it was sent during the presentation by Adam uh, Ludwin, whatever his name is, that uh, he, he sent it to wikimedia or the wikipedia foundation uh, donation i think he probably thought adam probably thought that that was very symbolic that bitcoin is good it's it's used for good quote-unquote good things this is what it is Uh, it should not be defined by bad things but what i think would have been way better way way better not only for the Fed, and these banks to know, but for people that read this article to know. And that would be if he, instead of sending his transaction to Wikipedia, he sent it to WikiLeaks. That would have been a jab, a slap in the face. Wake up, banks. But of course he didn't do that because he's trying to sell his product to these bankers, right? Um... This is one of the things that Beautyon talks about is that um, these bankers are computer illiterate. And this guy is selling snake oil to these computer illiterate people. Like I said in the past, in <clears throat> one of my episodes I talked about the banks, was um, that they the banks can sense this existential threat. You can read their writings they, they know Bitcoin is there and it presents some sort of threat, but they don't quite understand what it is. They think they can co-opt it and use it for their their ends. <clears throat> but so they, they, they know there's an existential threat uh, and these the chain people and, and this Adam they're going in there trying to sell this idea of blockchain. They're trying to sell snake oil to in to sick people right these these banks are sick in in multiple ways but they like as if they have a disease that's killing them and this guy's this guy's coming in and this whole blockchain type narrative is coming in and saying we have this great snake oil and it'll fix you right just take a little blockchain and it'll fix you so they're selling this to computer illiterate people that have a vested interest or have a, that are more susceptible to believing in them because they sense this existential threat. And they want to understand it, but these guys are confusing them and they're selling them something completely different. All right, so let's go on. I could go on and on on this. I, I want you guys to read this, so I'm not going to read it all, but let's see. So he goes into why kind of some technical reasons or economic reasons why fed coin is a non-starter why central bank digital currencies are a non-starter okay this is this is some good hardcore stuff that gets into the meat what i think is kind of the meat of this this post this is about oh 75 through the article and here's another paragraph so that anyone can claim That a Fed coin is good because it is, is, quote, backed by the full faith and credit of the U.S. government, end quote, shows they either know nothing about the true nature of government fiat currency or they are being sarcastic. Full faith and credit is meaningless. The destruction of the U.S. dollar is proof of this. And then he has an image of the dollar being 2% of what it was when the the Fed was created. The same organization that oversaw the obliteration of the the value of the U.S. dollar is now, for no reason, going to be trusted with the creation of an altcoin that is to replace Bitcoin? Surely this is a joke. All the elements proposed to make this Fedcoin digital currency a reality were invented by the free market, from the idea of wallets on your phone onward. None of it has come from the state blah 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 goes in so this is my god where is it where is it where is it where is it and oh he does mention the Dow and ethereum I think that he probably he misspelled ethereum so I don't know if he I don't know how much research and how much studying he's done on Ethereum and the DAO. Probably not much, but I I don't agree with him on that point. I I think the DAO is flawed and I think that we will will learn a lot from it and we'll learn that um, we are years away from any sort of functioning, democratic, quote unquote, democratic thing because democracy is fundamentally flawed, right? So... Look at, look at who we have now. Trump and Hillary, uh, Bernie Sanders and, and all this stuff. They, they're, they're a product of democracy. They're a product of the system. We say we have to choose the lesser of two evils. Well, guess what? That evil was created by the system. Your choice was dictated by the system that we have. The system gave you two evil choices that you must choose the lesser of. Right? And that is inherent in democracy. It always breaks down. There's always collusion at the top. Um, it turns into fascism and, and, uh, has on one side socialist, uh, policies, uh, or I should say on the social side, there's social policy, socialist policies. And on the, uh, business side, there are, there's fascist policies. And so we kind of have the worst of both worlds. And that's what democracy breaks down to. Not capitalism, mind you. That's what democracy breaks down to. Capitalism does not have a government in it, in the idea of what capitalism is. Capitalism is economics, understanding how people use their money and invest their money. It has nothing to do with government. In fact, government, the absence of government is necessary for capitalism to exist. So... Anyways, let's get back to this article here. Um, okay, I love this last quote. I'm going to find it if it's the end of me. I kind of want to read. Oh, that oh, that was right where it was. Um, this is right kind of under this Tao part. And it's almost at the end. A couple paragraphs before the end. But this is the most powerful line in the whole thing. So I wanted to get it out there. And you guys, please do, like I say, read this article. So here we go. Um, Bitcoin provides protections for privacy. You may have a tool to measure the system, but you'll be powerless to interfere in its operation. Compliance is set to become a thing of the past. You will not be able to ever again answer questions about collateral ownership and anything else to do. With what people are doing on the market, in the market. Central bank digital currency will never replace Bitcoin. It will never power international settlement. And the system will operate with no counterparties. Policymakers are going to be made redundant. Their their means of influencing liquidity will be permanently disallowed and banished. There is the true face of the future staring central bankers in the face. Absolute annihilation and obliteration. That is what I'm looking for. That is what we need to push when this, the precariat now is going to be looking for this way to really break down the power of the government, to break down the power of the ruling class, the seeming democracy where people aren't really elected by the people. They're nominated. the 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 evils are nominated by the system itself, and the people have no say. That's what we need is some. We need some really strong language, absolute annihilation and obliteration. I love that. So go to this. Uh, like I said, the, sh- the link is in show notes. Check it out. All right. Last thing. This episode is already at <laughs> around my limit, but let's get to. This. Let's talk about Europe. Hey. Now the, I'm going to enter this topic by talking about Spain. Now there was a article on Wolf Street, but this is uh, I read it on Zero Hedge. It was reposted on Zero Hedge, and what the way I understand it is that these banks they are giving out loans to people for very cheap rates. So the market rate in Spain, I don't know, maybe 10% say for a personal loan or even a mortgage or whatever the case is. But what these banks are doing is saying, well, we'll give you this loan at 2.5% interest, but you need to buy some of our stock. So you need to sign this agreement. So you're going to buy this stock with this loan and we will give you a lower interest rate. I mean, this, it's horrible. It's in a way it's, monetizing this, their, their stocks. Um, and maybe these CEOs are trying to get out of their stock positions, but there's no one to buy this. So they're going to unload it on some new bag holders that don't know what's going on. It's, it's obviously evil, but I mean, so Spain is in big time trouble here. And if you can read this article, it will, or if you do read this article, you'll see that there's major, major problems happening again in Spain. They're looking like they're about to enter a new cycle of crisis. Italy, like I talked about, it was either last episode or two episodes ago, is, they're rotting on the vine. They're dying. That 25% of their bonds are non performing. They will not, they, they're worth basically zero market, mark to market. They're non performing. And they're rotting on the vine. Greece now, there's in the next month or two, they have another loan payment due that they're probably going to not make, and they are thirty percent. They've dropped thir- their economy has shrank by thirty percent over the last few years. Now we have this Brexit coming up, where everybody's talking about um, that it's going to cause problem in Europe. But guess what? Bre- uh the UK is only the third highest um or the people in the uk rank third in wanting to leave the euro the two people or the the european union the two people ahead of them or two countries is greece and france more people in france want to leave the eu than in the uk the brexit vote if it was a fair election they would leave i don't know if it's going to be a fair election you know you have voting machines and Uh, I'm sure they'll find a way to doctor it so that they don't actually leave. But if they did, they uh, would start a cascade. And I think very quickly we would see um, France and probably Italy and definitely Greece wanting to join uh, the UK in some sort of mesh of bilateral agreements outside of the EU. And Spain as well. I mean, if, if the UK, Italy, and Greece left, very likely, Spain will probably leave too. And France will probably leave. So this big block is going to leave. And then who do you have? I mean, the Netherlands, they have close tie, or Belgium, they have close, close ties. I think it's Netherlands. They have close, close ties to the UK. So if they, if the UK leaves, I mean, the Netherlands possibly could leave too. And you have these other member nations. Sweden has had it with the, the EU and the immigration problems. All of these countries have had it with this. I mean, the only real solid block for the EU is Germany and Poland and some of those surrounding countries. So there's a very small northeastern european block of countries that want the euro or at least have a majority of people that want the euro or shit want the european union i can see this breaking up this year this brexit might be the domino that breaks this whole thing away and again bitcoin will be there to help people make this transition if you're wanting to dump your euros, buy some Bitcoin with it. If you're wanting to dump your um, pounds because you think this exit's going to hurt the the UK, buy some Bitcoins. Right, Bitcoin won't be affected. Bitcoin's value will only increase. So please, people, either side, you have a good little safe haven there with bitcoin it's very liquid in and out you can go uh, buy bitcoin this week and then if the brexit happens and nothing happens uh, after the brexit then next month you can turn it right back into pounds right so it's it's a no-brainer come on people it's not like you're going to take physical delivery of gold and then you have to find out how to sell this stuff what are you going to send it back through the mail Pay another 20 30 bucks to send maybe 50 bucks and insure it and do all this stuff and sell your gold? Going to go to the gold shop down the street and pay a 20% markup? No. You're going to buy Bitcoin. You're going to go on to Bitstamp if you're in the UK. If you're in Europe, you're going to go to Bitstamp or BTCE. You're going to buy some Bitcoin. Easy. You might lose what? two percent over the month at maximum if nothing happens to the price where you're looking at 20 30 percent if you try to save it in gold i mean this is a short-term fix that is easy so people check it out Anyways, uh, guys, that's all I have for this week. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Ansel Linder. This is Bitcoin and Markets. Please share this around. Uh, I'm going to tweet it out. And if you guys could retweet it when you listen to this, that'd be great. Um, I'm, I'm around 100 listens for each episode. I would like to get that up to 500. And I think maybe if we do do that, then I can you know, make a bigger difference in, the, in what's being t- discussed. Um, not necessarily my opinions, but... The topics being discussed—that's—I got in a little bit of back and forth with the Bitcoin and censor guys, John John Seth and Chris DeRose on Twitter. Um, I disagree with them, but I appreciate their I appreciate the topics that they bring up. I think those are very important topics, and more people need to discuss these basic issues. How do we know what we know? I mean, it's—it's kind of metaphysical in a way, but uh, we need to what are we discussing i don't want to discuss the great things of blockchain and dream about this daydream future where blockchains are so great um and i think that the bitcoin is censored and i think a lot of there's a lot of content producers out there that are trying to set these topics and i would like to be in there at least setting a topic so if you guys could share this around and i get to 500 listens on each episode wow that would be awesome all right thanks for listening i did not cover lisk because they don't have a link to their white paper i asked them for it on twitter they they didn't respond so uh github and their website no white paper right now it's being reworked when that comes out i will totally go over lisk i would recommend not investing at this point that is all i have for this week thanks so much guys check you later